But this week, we, uh, you get me. You get me on the deck, and we get, uh, more importantly, we get uh, Jesus. Because uh, Jesus, in John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, gives a tremendous concentration of teaching, instruction, words of comfort, words of assurance to his disciples, literally just hours uh, before his arrest and ultimate execution. These are marching orders, uh, important stuff. And the theologians refer to this portion of God's word as the upper room discourse. Interestingly, though, we discover as we read these verses that um, all the teaching didn't take place in the upper room. For in John 14, the very end of that chapter, we read where Jesus says to his disciples, rise, let us go from here. Now, his teaching continues for the next uh, few chapters as recorded in John's gospel. Uh, John doesn't say where they went uh, at that point specifically, uh, the chances are we're making their way toward ultimately what would be the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would be arrested. But I imagine as they were walking through Jerusalem, I could just imagine that uh, they walked past a vineyard. And Jesus, as he was apt to do, utilized the natural realm in order to communicate spiritual truths. And so, in a sense, Jesus, pointing to the vineyard, said to his disciples, you know, this vineyard is a lot like our future relationship. Jesus, realizing that his time with them was short, his departure was imminent, he communicated through this passage how, though he would leave them, his life would continue to be manifested through them in what he referred to as fruit. And there was a secret to it. There was a key to it. And that key is what we have been talking about for the last several months, namely abiding. So basically, Jesus, in this portion, is teaching his disciples as he points to the vineyard how to live the life of a branch. So as a part of my preparation, I thought that it would be a, a good experience for me to see a vineyard up close and personal. So taking advantage of the fact that uh, several were, are in our area, that's exactly what I did. I went and I just walked through the vineyard, made some observations. I surveyed as many branches as I could. I interviewed a number of branches and I came up with some remarkable conclusions. They seemed to be bearing fruit so effortlessly. And so I took some notes as I interviewed these branches, and I discovered some things. I discovered that none of the branches were on tranquilizers. 
None of the branches complained of high stress. None of them were apprehensive or uptight. None of them complained of physical exhaustion or mental fatigue. So I said to the branches, what is your secret? And those branches looked at me rather incredulously. You, you know the look. And they, they said, there's no secret at all. We're just abiding in the vine. And it dawned on me as Jesus was presenting this truth to his disciples, that was the essence of what he was communicating to them. Abiding in the vine, and as a result, they would continue to live his life through them. So we have been studying about what it means to abide. And it's been defined several times by Bill and, and by Dave Walker that Sunday that he preached for us. The essence of abide is to remain. It's to dwell. It's to stay. Unlike Judas, who was dismissed at the early part of this upper room discourse, who did not abide, who did not remain, Jesus now speaks to his disciples and declares for them that if they are going to bear fruit, they need to abide in the vine. Now, there's so much that can be drawn out of this portion, and I'm just going to scratch the surface for us this morning, but I would like to share with you three um, principles of what it means to live the life of a branch. Are you ready? Principle number one, how to live the life of a branch. Living the life of a branch demands a confession of our own inadequacy. Living the life of a branch demands a confession of our own inability, our own weakness. You see, that's where it begins. Now, I realize that this is rather humbling, but yet Jesus makes it very clear. Let's look at uh, the first few verses. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Just to pause for a moment. Uh, Jesus is saying that I am the true vine is distinguishing himself from the nation of Israel. Uh, Israel was often referred to as a vineyard in the Old Testament. And most of the references, whether it was Isaiah chapter 5 or Jeremiah chapter 14 or, uh, e or Ezekiel chapter 2, uh, these references all depict Israel as a vineyard producing sour grapes, producing wild grapes, producing worthless grapes. And ultimately, uh, the prophets, Psalm 80, reference Israel as basically useless and that the uh, vines were good for nothing but to be burned. So Jesus distinguishes himself in saying that I am the true vine and my father is the gardener, the vine dresser, the one who tends to the garden. 
he continues, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now notice, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The branch not will not, not might not, but the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Then in verse 5, Jesus continues, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do much. No, no, I'm sorry. I misread that. Jesus didn't say, apart from me, you can't do much. Jesus didn't say, apart from me, you could do a little. No, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. A confession of our own inability, a confession of our own inadequacy. That's the first necessary step in order to live the life of a branch. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what nothing is? I'll tell you, nothing is a zero with the rim kicked off. That's nothing. And that's what brings us to this point of humility and perhaps even a little bit of depression, a little bit of uh, uh, belittling. But if you feel that way, you're well on your way to being a fruit-bearing branch because that's, the where, that's where it begins with a recognition of our own inability. It was Andrew Murray in his classic book, Abide with Christ, that said it this way. The Christian often tries to forget his weakness. God wants us to remember it, to feel it deeply. He continues that it's only by remembering our weakness that we can cling and understand and have access to the promise, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So beginning as, as a fruit-bearing branch with the idea that I need to confess my own inability rather than being depressing or disillusioning, rather it is liberating because it draws us to ultimately then what is the second observation of what it means to live the life of a branch. The first was a confession of our own inability. Secondly, living the life of a branch demands an understanding of who does the producing. Who does the producing? Let me read again several verses to you, verses 4 and 5 from John chapter 15. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You know, my time in the vineyard that I spoke about earlier, I, I walked through aisle, past aisle, after aisle, and I didn't hear one branch agonize. I didn't hear one branch strain or groan or struggle to produce fruit because the branches knew that the responsibility of production was in the vine, not the branches. See, the branch is nothing more than God's drape rod, okay? God said, I need something to hang the fruit, and so I'll create these branches. And all the branch has to do is abide in the vine. There is a difference, a vast difference between producing fruit and bearing fruit. And as living, vital branches, we need to have that understanding. And that's why none of those branches were uptight or apprehensive or hyper-stressed out. Because they just learned to abide in the vine. And it happened supernaturally let me sh share with you basically the difference of a of um, producing fruit versus uh, bearing fruit producing fruit the focus is on what I do for God that's what production is all about the difference between producing fruit and bearing fruit. Producing fruit, fruit is my focus on what I do for God. Bearing fruit is the focus is on what God does through me. You see the difference there? The responsibility of bearing fruit is on the vine. So John 15 is not so much a call to action as it is an invitation to intimacy. The responsibility is with Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us? Does that mean we just kind of passively sit around and do nothing? Well, that leads us to the third observation of what it means to live the life of a branch. So just by way of review, We've discovered that living the life of a branch begins with a confession of our own inadequacy. It continues on with an understanding of the difference between producing fruit versus bearing fruit, and ultimately who's responsible for the production. Thirdly, living the life of a branch demands a continual communication with the vine. Have you ever gone into your backyard and, and cleaned out some dead branches? Did you ever discover how relatively easy it was to detach, to cut away those dead branches? There was a superficial connection to, to, the, to the, uh, bo the bark of the tree, to the uh, branch of the tree. In fact, some of those smaller branches you could just snap away with your hands. But if you ever cut away a living branch and you had one of those uh, old-fashioned saws and you were cutting and going back and forth, no doubt you discovered that that saw got stuck several times and you wouldn't go forward or backward and you had to lift it up and then set it down and start all over again because there was that intimate connection between that living branch to the tree. 
And that's why Jesus in this passage uses the word abide 11 times to stay, to remain, to connect. If we are going to be fruit-bearing branches, we need to have a continual connection to the vine. It's interesting that uh, six times in these first seven verses of John 15, Jesus uses the phrase, in me, in me. If you abide in me. It's a curious phrase. I would have thought Jesus maybe would have said, if you abide with me. But he didn't. Six times he uses that phrase, in me. So what is the uh, idea there? What do you think Jesus is trying to say? Well, it seems to me in using that phrase in me that uh, Jesus is saying, I want to be the source of everything that you are. I want to be the air that you breathe. I want to be everything that sustains you. I want to be everything that nourishes you like a fish that abides in the sea or a plant that abides in the soil. Everything you need in life, I want you to get it in me. And I think that's kind of the idea of what it means to be in him, that he is the source of everything that we do, that of everything that we think and how we respond to in obedience to the word of God. And if we do that, Jesus says there will be spontaneous fruit. He says that uh, there will be much fruit, that there will be more fruit. Fruitfulness is the byproduct of an abiding branch. Now, we've been talking about fruitfulness. Maybe it's time we just pause for a moment and, and define what we mean by fruit. Okay, fruit is the outward expression of the inward nature. Fruit is the outward expression of the inward nature. Now, I want to admit something to you. Uh, I am really not much of an outdoorsman. Yes, it's true. The rumors that you heard that I did summit Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest freestanding mountain in the world. But notwithstanding, I am not much of an outdoorsman. Uh, there are some people, maybe, maybe you know some of them, maybe you are one of them, that they walk into the woods, they could identify the names of the plants, they could point out the names of the trees. I am not like that. You follow me into the woods, and I'm guaranteed to do one thing and one thing only, and that's basically find the poison ivy. I couldn't tell the difference between an elm tree, an oak tree, a spaghetti tree. I just don't know. But if I see a tree and there's apples hanging on it, it doesn't take long for this keen mind of mine to say, aha, that is an apple tree. How do I know? Well, because there's apples on it. What is an apple? It's the outward expression of the inward nature. What's the nature of an apple tree? It's apple. 
What's the outward expression of the inward nature? It's apples. What's the inward nature of a believer? It's Jesus. Didn't Peter say to his readers that you have become partakers of the divine nature? So if we desire to be fruitful, all we need to do is have that continual communication with the vine and we will bear fruit. We will be the expression of the life of Jesus in us. Now, Jesus now, now gives two ways to help his followers to bear fruit. First, he gives his word. He said that if you, in verse 8, abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The first thing that he says is a requirement for us as fruit-bearing branches is to abide in the vine, to abide in his word. Or as my one professor used to say, we need to learn to become mastered by the master's teaching. The Apostle Paul said it this way to the Colossians, let the word of Christ richly dwell, be at home within you. So it's not a matter of my will. It's not a matter of what I want, but it's a matter of subjecting my priorities, my agenda, uh, those things that are most important to me, to subject all of those to his will. His will be done. And how do we know the will of God but by the word of God? So Jesus said, I will help you as a fruit-bearing branch to have the word of God richly dwell within you. Secondly, Jesus said, I'm going to leave my spirit with you. And in John chapter 14, the previous section, he said to his disciples, I will, though I depart, I will leave another helper with you. And the Greek is very specific there. There are two words used for another in the Greek language. One is another of the same kind, and the other is another of a different kind. And Jesus uses the word another of the same kind, someone just like me. Isn't that just like Jesus? So clever. I'm glad it wasn't me. If it was me, I would have said, look, each, each of you at your place setting, there's a nice leatherette-bound booklet of my best sermons. So just play them repeatedly, and you'll hear. No. Jesus said, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm going to leave my spirit with you. And that's what often is referred to when it's referenced to the Spirit of God in the New Testament, it's, he is called the Spirit of Jesus. He is called the Spirit of Christ. He is called the Spirit of God's Son. So Jesus said, first of all, I'm going to leave my word with you. 
but to help you to understand my word, to, to illumine the word to your hearts, I will leave my spirit with you, and he will guide you into all truth. Now, two things are necessary on our part. Number one, we have to spend time in the word. If the word of God is going to live within us, we need to spend time every day, every day in the word of God. And I know that's a struggle. I know life comes at us from all directions. But friends, can you imagine a healthy fruit-bearing branch that's too busy to have an ongoing connection with the vine? We need to have time every day in the word. And then secondly, we need to be yielded to the spirit as the spirit of God teaches us, as the spirit of God convicts us, as the spirit of God reminds us of God's word, we need to be yielded, submissive to the spirit of God in our lives. Can you imagine a a vine that says, you know, I'm sick and tired of bearing these puny little things. I'm looking across the way. I see an apple tree over there. Look at the size of those. I, I see a peach tree over there. Look, look what's hanging on my vines. I, I, want, I want to do something different. I want to bear super grapes. How about plums? They look sort of like super grapes. Can you imagine a vine that would say, not my will be done, but yours? How ludicrous. In fact, once again, Andrew Murray in Abide with Christ references uh, something to think about. He says, all the branch possesses belongs to the vine. The branch does not exist for itself, but to bear fruit that can Proclaim the excellence of the vine. It has no reason of existence except to be of service to the vine. So number one, we have the word. And then secondly, the spirit of God. We can have the word and not obey it. But it's the spirit of God who convicts us, who moves us, who changes us, who transforms us from the inside out so that it's not our will be done, but his will be done. And that's called obedience. That's called yieldedness. That's called surrender. Or as my one professor would say, that's called the process of being mastered by the master's teaching. Now, there's two final takeaways here I'd like to share with you in this passage concerning fruitfulness. Let's first remind ourselves, okay, living the life of a branch begins with a confession of our own inability. Secondly, living the life of a branch demands an understanding of who does the producing. And then thirdly, living the life of a branch demands a continual communication with the vine. And when that happens, Jesus said, on the positive side, that there will be much fruit. Verse 2, more fruit, Jesus says. Verse 5, much fruit. Verse 8, much fruit. There will be spontaneous fruit, just like those branches in the vineyard that said to me, there's no secret, we're just abiding in the vine. 
That's what Jesus wants us to be. Now, there's a negative side of this as well. The negative side of this is this. Jesus said, basically, if there is no fruit, that's an indication that there is no root. If there is no connection, genuine connection to the vine, there will be no fruit. They're the dead branches that will be gathered up and thrown into the fire. You can't even build with them. You can't use them for construction. They're basically good for nothing. They're good for the fire. And if you uh, really do not show that evidence of fruitfulness in your life, well, what are we talking about here? Well, Jesus goes on to say, and David alluded to it as he was introducing some songs, uh, some of the fruit that Jesus demonstrated right here in John 15, the love that we have to abide in his love. Jesus goes on to say then that we have love for the brothers, love for one another. If there's no love for one another, if there's no hunger to be with the people of God, and then Jesus goes on to say in this passage, by loving one another, your joy may be made full. So he mentions love and joy. And then Paul over in Galatians adds to that list. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace. That's the result of having rest in Jesus. You know, whenever Jesus uses the word rest, the word that he uses is a Greek word that means the release of a tight bowstring, the release of tension. It doesn't mean the, the removal of trial necessarily. We, we go through those trials. Jesus said, you, on earth you have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. But we can have rest. We can have peace. Bill talked about that last week, the peace of God that surpasses comprehension. It's the peace of God that has no business being there under the circumstances. But as someone once said, what are you doing under the circumstances? We could live above our circumstances. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, boy. Forbearing with one another kindness, demonstrating that ability to go over and above what is required. Gentleness, it's that capacity that thinks before you speak so that you can build up and not discourage. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness is going again over and above what is required. And then my personal favorite, Self-control. That's the one that uh, perhaps I struggle with the most. And that is the one that reminds me that it's not my will be done, but it's his will living through me. So think about it. Jesus points out to this vineyard, he points to his disciples that basically you are, as I leave you, to live the life of a fruit-bearing branch. Remembering who ultimately is responsible. 
And all you need to do is abide, to remain, to have that continual communication in the vine. And I will then continue to bear my fruit, to live my life through you. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful uh, for the helper that you sent to us, the helper, the, the spirit of Jesus himself who lives within us and who illumines the word to us that we could know, Lord, well, uh, what you want us to do, how you want us to act, how you want us to react. Lord, we pray that as we learn more and more to yield our wills to yours, we pray that we truly might be fruit-bearing branches, that people might see the life of Christ being lived through us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all that you provide for us so that we could live this life, Lord, in, in an endeavor to truly become mastered by the master's teaching. And we... Ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.